Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Press and Journal. I'm Ryan Kreil and joining me this week for the first part of the podcast, the sort of northeast centric part, we're splitting it into two bits this week. Well, but for this first part, it's Jamie Durant and Sean Wallace. How are we, guys? I'm Grant. Thanks, Ryan. I'm good. Thanks, Ryan. Okay, so today we're gonna we're gonna start in the sort of backwards fashion. We're gonna start with. The big League One derby between Cove and Peterhead um, this this Saturday coming up. We'll also touch a little bit on what Aberdeen are doing during the international break. Then later on we'll talk about the teams in the north. Elgin City, who they've got a pretty big game this weekend against Cowden Beath as they seek to kind of get away from danger at the bottom of the League Two. But we'll also touch on Inverness. They're obviously still in action. While Scotland are... Um, trying to secure a World Cup playoff place and Ross County as well, who, like Aberdeen, are on shutdown for um, well, this Saturday and then, yeah, this Saturday, that's it. Um, but yeah, so Cove Peterhead, Jamie, this weekend, big derby, teams at different ends of the table. We've got Cove, who in their last two games have a kind of polar opposite draws. They've had a 3-3 with Queen's Park and then at the weekend it was a 0-0. With Montrose, um, Peterhead. Meanwhile, they're on a really good run of like I think it was was it three games undefeated. They they went down three one to the league leaders or the now league leaders Airdrieonians at the weekend. Who Cove will be desperate to overtake once more at the top of the division. So who do you who do you fancy for this this clash of Paul Hartley and Jim McAnally's sides? Well, I think I'm going to take a place firmly on the fence with this one because <laughs> I'm uh, I'm not I'm not going to predict a winner between either either the two sides to be honest because uh, in the ga- in the games between them in the past they've always been always kind of been really really tight encounters. Um, the only one that kind of maybe wasn't was the League Cup game earlier in the season and Peter Head won that one three one and were kind of worthy worthy winners on the day and then Cove won the league game one nil up at Balmua. So it's it has the makings of a great tie. It's the kind of the nearest either side gets to a derby, um, to be honest with you. And they're not in they're not in kind of too bad form uh, either. Either of the two sides really, I mean, Cove have kind of faced sides at the top of the table um, in recent weeks. Um, they've obviously had the kind of the blip down at, down at East Fife. Um, they've, beaten, they've beaten Clyde comprehensively. There was, it was a great game against Queen's Park that they probably should have won. In the end, and then I think the weather kind of spoiled the game down at Montrose. And you look at how tight the the kind of the top of League One is. I think it's it's two points separating the top four with Cove, Queens Park, Montrose, and uh, the leaders Edrionians up at the top of the division. And Cove, I think they've admitted themselves, are still not kind of hit top gear yet this year, but they're still hanging about with the teams at the top of the table, and that's where they want to be. And you're kind of looking at maybe. After the kind of Christmas New Year period, and if they're kind of still amongst the the kind of the, the top three, you would say, and within kind of like touching distance of the top of the table, that would be exactly where they'd want to be for for kind of the running of the season if they're going to be in title contention. As far as Peter Head of concerns, did kind of I think it was four games in a four games unbeaten. I think they were they beaten Dumbarton and Alloa, and I think they had a couple of draws in there against um, kind of Falkirk and Montrose and three, I think it was three clean sheets in four of those as well. So they'd, they'd kind of turned a corner a little bit. They'd kind of been using a back three as well, uh, which which had suited suited them for the kind of those those runner games. Um, they lost down at Edrionians last weekend and 
don't think I don't think they'll kind of they'll kind of carry too much of a hangover from that. Yeah, it's disappointing results, but as we've seen, Adrianin's at top of the table, and Peter Heads have by and large been improved in in recent weeks. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be a very tight game. Cove, you'd you'd put us kind of slight favourites because they're at home, because they're kind of they've kind of maybe got more points on the board. But as we've seen so far this season, Peter Heads have performed well against kind of the so-called kind of top sides in the division, and they've got players in their in their team that can cause anyone in this division problems. They've been already this season. What do you think at the weekend the key battles will be? Um, between the sides, obviously they've they've both got big players. They've got players. Um, it's one of those those situations where players have played for both sides. But from speaking the from speaking the various people involved, what do you think it's going to come down to? I think the kind of the the simple the simplistic answer to that is the two battles between centre forward and centre half. I think it, one of the pitch you've got you've got Rory McAllister going up probably against Jason Brown, maybe who again they kind of know each other from playing. Playing together at Peterhead and off, and off the park as well. Rory, who's obviously kind of won uh, the Player of the Month award for October, he's I think it's twelve goals in all competitions this season. He's back to where he kind of he wants to be in terms of his in terms of his own form. It's you've obviously got the added kind of um, incentive for him of getting one over his old side. So I think that will be the key battle at that end of the pitch, and then probably the other side of things you're looking at maybe. Uh, Russell McLean against Scott Ross. I think they had a good battle in the in the league game up at Balmour. Um Obviously, Scott Ross is another that's kind of played played for Peterhead. Um, and Russell, I think Russell kind of enjoys these kinds of battles. He's obviously <laughs> everyone kind of points to his stature, and he does kind of possess a physical threat. But he's very good with his feet as well. And I think those those two will be probably the the decisive ones. But then you look at kind of individual performances through the teams. From what I've seen of Peter Head this season, when they've played well, Scott Brown's been at the heart of it. And I think if if Scott Brown is kind of at his kind of swashbuckling best, I think he that will give Peter Head a huge, a huge advantage. And then you kind of look at, at Cove in the middle of the park. Um I think it would likely it's likely to be, I think, Ian Vigas and, and Fraser Fivey, who they're both kind of very creative players. They like getting on the ball and trying to make things happen. Um and you look at the 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 front three or front four, maybe that that Cove will go with, and having that kind of supply line from from Vigas and Fivey will make a huge difference. Um, I think it's going to be a fascinating game, to be honest with you. I'm intrigued to see how Peterhead's set up, whether they kind of kind of match up like for like with Cove and almost go four three three, four two three one, or if they kind of they stick with the the kind of the three at the back, which has enabled them to kind of play the three kind of strong centre halves and have th- kind of the two energetic wing backs that they've got and give Josh Mulligan that kind of license to get forward on the right hand side and also they've got th- central midfields a strong area for for Peter Head with with Scott Brown, Andy McCarthy, Simon Ferry I think would be that would probably be their strongest three in the middle there and then you've got Russell McLean and probably one other up front so I think it's going to make uh, it's going to make for an interesting an interesting afternoon an intriguing one, and you'd hope, given the two teams from the region, would get a, a decent crowd at the Balmoral Stadium. Um, always nice to see a sort of, you know, a decent crowd at another ground in the northeast as opposed to just Pataudry. Anyway, we're talking to Pataudry, that's where we'll move to next to discuss the Dons. We are on; they're on a break at the moment, of course, because of Scotland action. But the 
closed out the the last period of games with a disappointing result um, against Motherwell. Yeah, very disappointing result. I mean, it was a case of deja vu for Aberdeen against Motherwell yet again. I mean, I was I was down at Fir Park in September, watched them get I think it was seventy five percent of possession, get absolutely nothing from the game, and then Lightning stuck yet again at Petodi. 70% of possession, 18 shots at goal, I think eight of them were on target and nothing to show for it yet again. Is the issue, the? I mean, we've obviously praised them heavily for getting results against, they've got a draw against Rangers, a team that, you know, a team that wants to be the best team in the league, win the league, you know. Um, Hearts and Hibs full of confidence. They'd had great starts to the season. Teams that are you know coming out and attacking the dawns right from the off, and you know going toe to toe with them that way. Is there an element of you know we've praised the way that in those games the likes of Marley Watkins, Christian Ramirez, and Ryan Hedges have worked together in attack when they've been able to get them on the pitch together? But is there an element with Motherwell that because they perhaps came to you know hit on the counter attack, sort of seed possession to the dawns a little bit that there's still a bit of a struggle there for Aberdeen to break teams like that down. Yeah, definitely. I think you only have to look at the results this season to see that Aberdeen are struggling against the teams that are sitting back and inviting them to attack them. They just can't break them down. If they're up against a team like Rangers or Hibs that are going to push forward, open up spaces, then Aberdeen can get in those pockets, exploit them, and it's paying off. But when they're actually got a orchestrate and engineer their own opportunities against a team sitting back they're struggling and it doesn't help when they continually shoot themselves in the foot with atrocious defending which yet again was the case in in a terrible 10 minute spell against Motherwell when the defense completely switched off it's a, a honking start the one that um we've kind of read and written about in the last few days that this season the two games where Aberdeen have lost both to Motherwell I think Motherwell have had four shots on target and Aye. scored four <laughs> goals <Yeah>. no, <laughs> not very great and I think not to labour XG or anything but I think Motherwell's XG at the weekend was something like 0.8 and they scored two goals so that would suggest that the Dons are unperform- underperforming slightly in terms of defending yeah, their I mean, own goal the the, the two goals were so preventable. I mean, for the first one, they just they just allowed Goss the freedom in the park to get that cross in. And, and then Van Veen, the main danger man on the park, left completely unmarked. And even when the ball comes to him, they still don't close him down. And he's got to he's got, just flicks it in. I mean, he was given the freedom of that 18-yard box, and that just shouldn't happen. And for the free, the goal that came from a free kick, I don't think it was a free kick. I mean, McGeeck's foot was up high, but he made no contact with McGinley. So, I mean, it's debatable if that should have been given, but regardless if it was a free kick or not, they should be able to defend a set-piece delivery, but they just couldn't. Switched off again, punished, and they got exactly what they deserved for the game, which was nothing. And it was so frustrating because there had been so much positivity, rightly, building up around Aberdeen after three strong performances against three of the strongest teams in the division, in Hearts, Rangers and Hibs. And it just derailed a lot of that positivity 
by the veteran back to type, by failing to break down teams that sit back and then just like imploding with bad defending. I mean, it's when it comes to facing the teams like in the top six, they're doing well, but it's the teams below them where they're struggling big time. I mean, they've lost to Dundee, uh, St. Johnston. It's, it's the need to sort it out quickly. At least they've got like the international break to try and fix these defensive problems. I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna point out the obvious that I think this is the third international break in a row. Yeah, no. when, <laughs> when the priority for the Dallas this international yeah. break is to I, get that defence sorted out. So do, we'll see I, you go. I do feel like a broken record, I must admit. But I was looking at stats, I mean was it two two clean sheets in the opening uh, twenty games of this season? The opening twenty games of last season in all competition, twelve clean sheets, which is so just shows it's clear where the problems are. And I don't think you can blame the defense like the defensive injury problems because you've got a Scotland international centre back in David Bates, an experienced player, regardless he's he may be twenty two, but Ross McCrory is experienced enough. And he was at one point backed as like tipped to be the, the best centre back in the country when he was at Rangers. And you've got Scott Brown as well. So there's no excuse for switching off the way they did against Motherwell, injuries or not. Yeah. I mean, on that clean sheet um, record alone, we could be talking about like, you know, teams that already wouldn't put themselves in the same bracket as like, you know, like St. Joe, like Livingston or, you know. Ross County, even. Um, I think, Will, uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I think Willie Miller knocked it in the head when uh, doing his column this week when he said if they don't sort it out, they're going to struggle to finish in the top six. Totally agree. Um, contract latest this week, we've obviously had Ryan Hedges earlier in the week uh, saying that he's still, I think, open to signing a new Dons deal, um, having previously said that he was keeping his options open. I mean, it feels... Very Graham Shinney, very um, Gary Mackay, Stephen. To me, I don't know what what sense you get of it, Sean. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been in this gig long enough to to see the signs of I've watched this movie many many times. I mean, I hope he does sign a new contract, but you just feel that the longer it drags on, the more likely it is that he's going to be moving away from Aberdeen. I mean, that's his prerogative. His contract's up at the end of the season. If he wants to move, if he feels his future is elsewhere, then that's up to Hedges. Aberdeen can tie as much as they want to convince him to stay, but ultimately the decision is down to him. And my, my gut feeling is that he could be moving on. I hope not, but that's that's the way I see it. Anytime you hear the line kind of like that I'm keeping my options open or I'm just focusing on my football, that's kind of code for I'm probably <laughs> gonna I'm probably gonna be away. Um yeah. like any you know kind of what's gonna happen. Players that Players that kind of want to stick around, like key players that are regulars in the team, they kind of don't they don't allow it to get into the final year of their contracts if they're going to sign and stay with the club. Invariably, it just kind of it runs down and it doesn't happen. Like it's it happened a couple of times, say in my experience with with Graham Shinny, obviously Aberdeen, and then firstly at Inverness, you kind of had the feeling he was he was going to be away. Um, and you, players aren't stupid; they can't come out and say, "Nah, I'm not going to." I'm uh, yeah. I'm going to be away because so you never know what's going to happen around the corner. They may get injured, they may pick up a serious injury the following week, be out for eight, nine months or whatever, and then all of a sudden nobody wants them. So 
they can't come crawling back. <laughs> well, they need to keep they need to keep their options. They need to kind of keep their options open there. Um, they can't they can't kind of kind of bite the hand that feeds them, so to speak. Um, so you look at you look at kind of what happened with Tommy Hoban when he was at Aberdeen. Um, he could have said there was no way he was staying, but he obviously picked up the serious injury. Aberdeen offered him the chance to train with them, and he kind of signed back on. It maybe didn't work out, but it's kind of an example of the situation that that can arise. Um, you get the impression say that given how well Hedges has done when he's been in the team and how pivotal he's been to Aberdeen's fortunes that he will probably have his head turned by interest from the English Championship uh, it doesn't seem to have affected his performances but it's inevitable when you kind of when you kind of find out about interest like that um, and I think he's a Northwest lad as well originally so Blackburn would give him the opportunity to be a little bit closer to home too. Um, I think for for him, it's just kind of playing play out the best of the season, play out the rest of the season to the best of his ability, and kind of hopefully to just let the rest take care of itself. You've got you've got to also factor in his international aspirations. I mean, Wales have got a decent chance of qualifying for the World Cup, and. Where would Ryan Hedges be better suited to push for a place the Scottish Premiership or doing well at a high-profile English Championship club? He's obviously from that, that Welsh-dependent Northampton. That's why he qualifies for playing for Wales. <laughs> um, the other contract news we had this week was um, a sort of an update from Stephen Glass suggesting that the Dons were working to tie Funza Ojo to a new deal. I think he's in the same boat as Hedges. Correct me if I'm wrong, that his contract runs out in the summer. Um, I imagine that'll be a bit more divisive for the fan base. I mean, there'll be people that have seen this season enough in Ojo to, um, you know, convince them it's worthwhile to keep him on. I mean, he's got plenty of energy and stuff. That would be the argument. But, I mean, there'll be other fans that are maybe like, has he done enough in his time at Pataudry to, to earn a new deal? Uh, what's, what's your take on that? Do you think, do you think he'll sign one, um, first of all? It's a it's a difficult one to to see because I mean it was only a couple of months ago that Funzo admitted that he not only considered quitting Aberdeen but also quitting football because he was so disillusioned with the way things have went. Uh, I mean, obviously he was on on loan at Wigan, and then he came back, lost his number eight shirt to Scott Brown. It looked like he was going to be like on the periphery. But somehow, and credit to him, he's forced his way into uh, Stephen Glass starting 11. He did that from the opening game of the season, and he's been there ever since. And I, if Funzo was open to signing a new contract, I would, I would definitely say that Aberdeen should go for it. I mean, he's a very versatile player. and He could play in a number of positions. He's solid. Uh, so I, I would ideally give Funzo a new deal. I know, like you said, that will be divisive with Aberdeen fans. Anyway, uh, elsewhere in the sort of Don's squad, obviously there's, there's we've discussed the defence, we've discussed players that are out injured. Um, are we expecting after the international break? I think, is it Dundee United straight away after the international break? I think it is. Um, Danny Dice. Are we expecting to see Calvin Ramsey, Jack McKenzie, Declan Gallagher? I saw Declan Gallagher and Zara the other day, I think. So he, he can walk, but <laughs> is he is he capable of running? Are we expecting him to be capable of running in the next week or so? Yeah, I've got my doubts that any of them will be fit. 
uh, Stephen Glass said he wasn't overly optimistic. Hopeful but not optimistic was what he said regarding those three defenders. So I think you you may get one, but you're certainly not going to get all three back fit. And there is the possibility that there will be none. So it'll just be the same defence that switched off for <laughs> in the second half against Motherwell. Well, that's good. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm infusing important positivity. That uh, that concludes then our our northeast section of this week's northern goal. So we'll say goodbye to, to Jamie and Sean. See you later, guys. See you later. That's half an hour, and we'll move on after this short break to Inverness. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Okay, welcome to part two of this week's episode then of Northern Goal, joined by Paul Chalk for this section. How are you, Paul? Aye, not bad, Ryan. How's things? All right. Uh, you've missed a good Aberdeen section today, or a good Northeast section. I'll be tuning in myself. <laughs> great, great. That'll, uh, I should do this more often, it'll bump up the listener <laughs> to split up the panellists so they don't know what's been said in another part of the podcast. I can see um, them all Oh yeah, Jamie was saying all sorts of things about you. No. Uh, anyway, so we're going to start as as we did in the first section. We're going to go down to the lower leagues first of all before working our way upwards in a sort of reverse order to normal. Elgin City, first of all. They went down to Forfar as we expected they would. Forfar are flying high in League 2. But this weekend, they're playing rock bottom Cowdenbeath. And given Elgin, I think, are second bottom and only three points better off than the Blue Brazil, this is a this is a big game, isn't it, in terms of um, Elgin's season and what could potentially happen at the end of it. Yeah, it's a huge one, Ryan. And um, when you look at the stats, just barely on, on their own, uh, this is the ideal fixture, you could say, for Elgin uh, in a way, because Cowdenbeath haven't won a league match other than way back at the start of the season when, unfortunately, it was Elgin they beat. But since then, they've been in a horrendous run, Cowden. And, um, but the bad news for Elgin getting into this one, of course, is that they've got a new manager in, in charge with uh, Morris Roskin and at the Fife Club. And uh, we saw a little bit of an improvement from them last week. They were in a derby against Kelty Hearts, who are the the runaway leaders there in League Two, and they only lost by a, a late Joe Cardo goal. Now, speaking to Gavin Price, the Elgin manager this week, he's in no doubt, he's not shirking away from how big a match this is for Elgin. They're down at the wrong end of the table. They've not uh, found any consistency, any form at any part this season. We all know that a fortnight ago they lost to Clyde Bank in the Cup in a, in a replay. And um, he wanted a reaction at Forfra. He did. Obviously, the result was a 2-1 defeat. But again, there were plenty of chances he's created. Um, uh, they're just not clinical enough in both boxes. But um, Elgin are a team that really should be up in fourth position 
in that top four, getting back to the promotion playoffs. They're 10 points off that right now, albeit they've got a game in hand as well over Annan, who are up in that fourth spot. Um, but they've lost already, as I say, to Cowdenbeath. The big news, of course, from Borough Briggs this week is that Kane Hester, the main man, the main striker, is back in the fold this weekend. And my colleague Andy Skinner uh, has spoken to Kane this week, who um, said although he's fit and available and ready for this game, he won't be involved for more than, than half an hour, let's say, physio, physio's orders, if, if, if you like. But um, it's, a, it's a big boost Gavin Price knows that to get Kane Hester back. I mean, he's been out for a couple of months with a hamstring injury, but before that, he'd already scored seven goals, two seasons in a row with 19 goals. He is the main man. He's the main striker in League Two, and he has been for two years. So to get him back in the fold, even if it is just for half an hour, he might pop up with a winner. And uh, it doesn't matter who scores it this weekend, to be honest. Get three points on the board and get away from Cowdenbeath. Yeah, hopefully that first half an hour he can bag three and come off, and then That's it's all it. you know it's yeah. done and dusted by then. Obviously, the sort of the fixture list is thrown up, um, and well, the way things have gone for Elgin and the fixture list have conspired to mean that not only do they play bottom Cowdenbeath, um, being ninth themselves, but they play I think the week after, um, next Saturday they play eighth placed Stranraer, yeah. which means that were the worst to happen and we're talking about two Elgin losses two weeks from now it's it's a disaster because you know they could find themselves cut adrift a little bit yeah I mean that's it and we, we all know the consequences in League 2 are finishing bottom now with the, the pyramid playoff it's not something that Elgin will entertain any chat of yet but I think the fact that Gavin Price has quite clearly said this is a huge game and we can't hide from the fact the league table shows exactly that Elgin are really they deserve to be this this season because they haven't found any consistency. Now, I, I've seen Elgin a good few times this year, and they, Gavin's right; they play well in parts of games. I think their best performance was a a three 0 win against Albion Rovers. That was their most complete display where they were in top throughout. But apart from that, it's no good playing and just fits and starts. And, and Elgin need to find a full full performance. And um, although the Cowdenbeath will arrive at Borough Briggs with a spring in the step, with a new manager bounce that Gavin Price expects from them. This is all about Elgin and, and getting back to, I, I asked him about the, the fans at Borough Briggs, how much of a part can they play this weekend? But he quite rightly said it's for the players to get fans off, off their seats and entertain them and get, first and foremost, a winning performance this weekend. And it would give everyone such a lift at the Murray Club if they could get three points. Uh, a defeat, as you say, with Stranraer the, the week after that uh, doesn't bear thinking about. So it's a huge clash this weekend for Elgin. Plenty of plenty of season left to go. Plenty of road yeah. left to run. Anyway, let's move on to Inverness then in the Championship. Frustrating draw at the weekend. They were two one up. How did how did you how did you see the game? Did you see it as a as a frustrating? result for Inverness yeah. I, I, I was sitting there at half time and we, the, the, in the press box we were just having the chat with the, the guys down there as well and even the, the local press at air felt that how it was only 2-1 at half time they, they didn't know it was a wee bit like Cali Thistle the week before at Hill, the 0-0 draw I was sitting there thinking at half time right one more goal and air will be finished. They didn't look to have too much about them. They got a goal from nothing when Cali Thistle switched off from a corner and big Joe Chalmers, former Inverness man, 
tucked away the the ball at the at the back post, and um, that while there's only one goal in it, that gave air with the experienced manager of Jim Duffy, of course, at the helm, uh, something to to go for in the second half. And um, just actually before coming on this uh, podcast, Scott Kelliker, the assistant manager, who's firmly back in the fold, did press this week, and he said there was a real frustration about that game because the the were losing second balls in the second half. The first half, they were well on top, as I say, should have been out of sight. But Air were winning the second balls and had something to go for, and uh, they, it was costly, costly mistakes. Cali Thistle are playing really good football at the moment. The results for winless games might not suggest that. Uh, if you, you look at, had they beaten Partick Thistle and Air, they'd be top of the league right now. The, the flip side of this is, we're getting into this weekend, middle of November nearly, and they're only one point off the top. I think everyone would have accepted that at the start of the season, and there's a lot more to come from Cali Thistle. The main thing is not switching off, and the piece that I'm writing at the moment from Scott Kelliker says the focus you know, has to maybe... People are saying, why are Inverness not scoring enough goals? They're, they've only scored, I think, 15 goals in 13 league games, which for a team with aspirations of going up isn't isn't good enough but he said it's the responsibility has to be on more than the strikers uh, the skipper Sean Welsh has chipped in with a couple of goals lately but and Michael Gardine's playing a starring role with Billy McKay but they, they need goals from, from all over the pitch uh, to try and uh, get them over the line quite often Yeah, I mean when you look at the league table I mean, it's not like with two two losses so far, it's a pretty decent record. I mean, there's there's no team in the league that's got less than two losses. Kilmarnock are top and they've had three. Yeah. Team as big as Park Thistle, you know, with their aspirations there. They've got four losses. So, yeah, I don't think things, although Cali Thistle are going through this, I suppose, slightly less golden, sparkly spell at the moment. I mean, in the context of the league, it's not, you know, it's not outside the norm. Like Kilmarnock are losing games as well and you know yeah. drawing games as well nothing better this weekend than playing Dunfermline though on current form for Cali Thistle though no you you would think that uh, and it's a wee bit like Elgin it's probably the ideal team on paper that you'd be looking to to face right now is the team at the bottom of the, the league but what I would say is and I spoke to again a, a Press man down in Dunfermline this week, and uh, the best performance Dunfermline have had this season came against Cali Thistle, the 0 0 draw at East End Park. Uh, of course, Dunfermline haven't won a game yet in the Championship, that's why they're bottom, but they, they played terrifically well against Inverness earlier in the season. It was only a, a really terrific performance from Mark Ridgers in the Inverness goal that prevented a defeat that day. So that will give Dunfermline hope as they come up. They, Probably won't have a manager in place, although things can change quickly. As things stand, Stephen Whitaker and Greg Shields are the caretaker bosses for the Fifers this weekend. But uh, you, you wonder why Dunfermline are in the situation they're in. Peter Grant was in charge for 156 days before they, they get rid of him. And, um, you know, they've got some real quality in the ranks like Ryan Dow and Nikolai Todorov, uh, to name a, a couple of key men up front, and they really should be doing better. They have quality players. Just Scott Kelliker was saying that they're they are too good to be in the position they're in. Tom Walsh, who will be in, in the press this weekend, also saying that um, they have got the quality and it's just a matter of when it turns, and we just hope for an Inverness sake it doesn't happen uh, this time around. They haven't actually won 
away from home to Fremlin in the league for more than a year. So let's hope for the Cali Jags sake they don't find the Caledonian Stadium the place where it happens. Oh, the writing's on the wall about what I know. we're going to be discussing yeah. next week. Um, let's not be so negative. Anyway, just a, a quick word on Ross County. Obviously, yeah. as I've mentioned several times over the course of this episode, Ross County and Aberdeen not in action because of Scotland, because of the international break. Their last result before the international break was a 4-2 loss to leaders, Rangers at Ibrox. Um, only the second team to score two goals there this yeah. term, I think, after Aberdeen. Um is that a positive to take? With any other positives to take, you think? Obviously, Ross County, it was a bit, bit of a shame because they'd had that brilliant 5-0 win against Dundee, their first league win in the season. Then saw the Hibs game postponed twice because of COVID and the Hibs camp. And then, as opposed to you know having maybe a slightly easier assignment next up, it was, of course, Rangers away from home, which was always going to be a difficult one for them. Do you think, they can, uh, do you think this one's going to kill their momentum, I suppose? Yeah, you would hope not. Um, do, I think that you're quite right, Ryan, in the fact that they came out of the game with a lot of uh, praise at Ibrox. Um, and uh, they ran Rangers close at Dingwall as well earlier in the season. Uh, as as well, they asked big questions of, of Rangers. So that that's twice against, you know, the, cha- the current champions that, that they have uh, performed really well. Of course, it, it doesn't result in anything on, on the league table, but um, I think you can see that Ross County have got a bit of a swagger about them. They've got a real belief in what they're doing under Malky Mackay is is the right way to be going about it. They've um, we, we all saw, and you, you wrote the piece yesterday about uh, Hungbo's terrific free kick. They've got players that have got a real ability uh, to hurt teams at the other end. They just need to get tighter at the back, Ross County are scoring plenty of goals. He's, even in their recent defeats at, at home, they scored twice in both of those games against Livingston and St Mirren. So scoring goals isn't the problem, but keeping them out of the other end is. And that uh, will be third time lucky when they come back against Hibs when uh, the Hybees uh, are over their COVID problems. They'll be coming up to Dingwall for a, a midweek game. And um, I know there's a real desire by Malky Mackay and his players to get one over Hibs because probably the worst performance of the season actually came in a bizarre 12-minute spell at Easter Road where they, they shipped three goals and then they recovered and, and played very well for the, the rest of the game but the damage was done so they feel they've a score to settle against Hibs. County need points and they need them quickly because they, they're now cut adrift from Dundee and Dundee hit one um, knock-on effect of the Hibs Saturday fixture being called off was that Dundee went away and got a surprise result in Paisley beating St Mirren by a goal to nil, which reopened a four-point advantage at the bottom of the table. So you don't want that to get any any bigger. So hopefully County will come back. Um, Malky Mackay spoke to Andy Skinner this week and, and stressed the fact that we'll use this international break and this wee gap to just tighten things up a little bit and come back with a full focus on getting the three points against the Hybees. Yeah, and I suppose you want to just keep touching distance with Dundee going into December because, of course, anything can happen and that's a Christmas, New Year Absolutely, period yeah. where there's, there's 45 games packed into you know a two-week spell. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I think we'll leave it there for this week's episode of Northern Goal. Cheers, Paul, for joining me for the second section of the podcast this week. Thank you, Ryan. Cheers. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. You can email us any queries and questions at northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. And finally, enjoy whichever games you're watching. If it's Scotland, 
hopefully they manage to get over the line um, on Friday and aren't relying on, you know, you know the, the unlikely scenario on Monday. But yeah, if it's Scotland, enjoy. If it's Inverness, if it's Elgin, if it's Peterhead, or Kofi Peterhead, I should say. If it's the Highland League, enjoy whichever games you're watching this week. See you later. Hope you loved the episode, and if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.